Okay, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark 15. almost too long to read all at one time here, so we're going to kind of break in uh, chapter 15 right after Peter denied Christ, and reading and starting at verse 1, and straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. The chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing. So the Pilate marveled. Now at that fe feast he released unto them one prisoner whom they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which laid bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said, again unto them, Will ye that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall, called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple, played a crown of thorns, placed it on his head, about his head, and began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with the reed, did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him, put his own clothes on him, led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon of Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they brought him unto the place of Golgotha, which is, being interpreted, place of the skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. When they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And a superscription of this, his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. 
They that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Oh, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests, mocking, said unto him, said among themselves with the scribe, He saved others himself, he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, now descend from the cross that, he may, that we may see and believe. They that were crucified with him reviled him. When the sixth hour was come, it was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. The ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. One ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, put it on a reed, gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion was stood over against him, saw that he cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom, the, whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. Now when even was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling out to him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen and took him down wrapped him in the linen, laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock, and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of Joseph, beheld where he laid. We sit down and read that several times. I don't know if there's a sadder story. Graphic. Cruel. Unbelievably. Harsh. Yet in that crowd were people who were incredibly tender-hearted. Today we're here for what we call communion. The dictionary's definition of communion in it is an act or instance of sharing. A Christian sacrament in which bread and wine are partaken of as a commemoration of the death of Christ. Number three, intimate fellowship. 
4, a body of Christians having a common faith and discipline. So today we come to, to remember. This do in remembrance of me, the Bible says, Jesus said. And so it's a historical event, something that took place, the death and suffering of Christ, a long, long time ago, hundreds of years ago. But is it just an event? Is it something that happened? Or has that event transformed my life? Has that event transformed my life to the, to the point that it has transformed my relationship with my brother and sister in church? Are we truly a transformed people through and through? I asked myself that question. You see, if it has not, then what we're going to do here this morning is an empty, futile religious ritual. That's all it is. If my life had been not been transformed by Jesus Christ, if my relationship with my brother and sister have not been transformed to where I can say I have peace with God and with man, then it's an empty religious ritual without focus and without meaning. See, I, I you know... I think our, our, our consciences are serving us well if the fact if the fact would be that this congregation would be in turmoil, yet everybody would stand up and say the right words and sit down. Everybody knew that this is not the case, and then we would have communion and we'd all go home and say, This is just wonderful. Our consciences serve us well to say that is not right. That is not right. So we're not here just to appreciate what Christ did. We're here to appreciate what he did in my life and what he is doing in my life of my brother and sister and in the life of the church, which is the bride of Christ. See, John says, by implication, if you love God, then you have to love your brother. Yeah. He says, if, if you don't love your brother, which you've seen, how can you love God, which you haven't seen? And so, this is all tied together. And... So it's important that we look back today, that we remember, but it's also important that this is a reflection of a present situation. The 
impact of Christ in my life and the impact of my brother and sister in my life. See, if I lose my appreciation for Christ and what he has done for me, then I will always lose my appreciation for my brother and sister. Always. If I lose my appreciation for my brother and sister, I will always lose my appreciation for what Christ did for me. Always. They are inseparable. Inseparable. That's sobering, yet tremendously encouraging. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. Talks about communion. I often wondered why, and I, I don't have the answer today necessarily, but I often wondered why um, talking about headship, Christian woman's veiling, and goes into communion. And of interest, all Christianity pretty much, well, all the way across the board, would be horrified if their leaders got up and said, well, we're just ditching communion. Like, that don't really mean anything anymore. That's old. Uh, cultural. Uh, I think we should just drop it. I think the people will come right up off the seat. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't do that. But they're willing to do that for the first half. But it's interesting, as I look at this chapter and meditate upon it, the first part is talking about headship, it's talking about relationships, it's talking about respect for authority in the first uh, 16 verses. And we have time to go into that this morning. Uh, but then he just moves seamlessly right into verse 17 about communion. Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not. You come together not for the better but for the worse. And we're talking about bad communion here. Not making us better. We can, we, we see, we're going to walk out of here this morning either better or worse. One of the two. You can't, come, you can't come to church and be a part of a communion service and not be either better or worse at the end. It's impossible. We will move one way or the other. And it all has to do with our relationship with God, our relationship with our brother, and how we respect that. Okay, and he says this is bad communion. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Right there he said. Bad communion. You're not together. There are also heresies among you. Wrong belief. Wrong relationship. Wrong concepts of God. 
that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one's hungry, others drunken. What have you not houses to eat in, to drink in, or despise the church of God? Shame them that have not. What shall I say of you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he betrayed, which he was betrayed, took bread. So he contrasts bad communion with this thing of, well, it's just another meal, and I'll eat mine at home, we'll eat some here, we'll eat some there, and put it all on the same level. Bad communion, bad belief system, the conflict in the church, all this stuff. Bad communion versus good communion. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye drink this, eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till it come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, let him, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and also and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if he would judge yourself, you should not be judged. But when ye are judged, ye are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home that he should not come together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. And so our choice this morning is judgment or blessing. Judgment or blessing. Now he says here, if you're in the judgment category, God's not going to throw you out the window. He's going to have mercy on you, and he's going to discipline you, so discipline me, so that I'm not condemned with the world. And uh, that is... That is comforting. But he said if we come wrong, we're going to be sick. We're going to have those viruses and stuff churning inside. Churning inside. Hatred, envy, uh, jealousy, ill will, pride, all these things stirring inside. Sick. People get sick because they don't honor the Lord's Supper. Sick. You know, I'm not sure if I... The only reason I hang around sick people is because I have some kind of an obligation, usually some kind of a family obligation, but... I'm I'm serious. Like if you're in a car, somebody throws up. Oh, you just wonder. It's like, am I sick or am not? Am I not sick? I mean, the whole thing makes me sick. It's just like ah. Oh. And you drive, and you just like oh, it's just. Is it me or like is this spreading or isn't it or, you know and and ah. That's the way it feels. Somebody in the church, all full of 
these diseases inside, and they just puke out all over everybody. Pardon the, pardon the terminology here, but you, you just wonder, is it me, or is it him, or it's like, oh, this whole thing is just like, oh. I'm not sure if I should say this or not, but I was in a congregation once where one brother always gave his testimony last. And I, I'll just I'll just preface this by saying he repented of all this and whatever, but for a long time, it's like the last one, and you knew what was coming, and the last one, and he'd get up and he'd say, you know, I have this problem. Everybody knows I have this problem and that problem, but you know, I'm not half as bad as everybody else, and I don't gossip, and I don't blah, 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 and he just puked out over the whole congregation. Just the last one. You knew it was coming every time. And you walk away and say, like, is this me? Or is it like, nauseated. <clears throat> sick. People get sick because they take unworthily, partake unworthily. And, and then there's people who just go to sleep, the Bible says. Some sleep. They're just out of it. Unconscious. They're unaware that sin's going to get them in the end. They're unaware that Christians shouldn't live, act, and behave like unsaved people for whom Christ died. They're unaware that if they keep sleeping that this is a sleep of death. They're unaware that if you want to be accepted of God, you've got to get out of bed, you've got to wake up, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's what you've got to do. If we take communion lightly, brothers and sisters, I think probably everything else will be taken lightly too. We've got to wake up, if that's the case. Now look at this word communion, and it's koinonia in Greek, for whatever that's worth, koinonia. But I found it interesting. Why do we call it communion? Koinonia. And the most often interpreted in English is the term fellowship. And so, how am I fellowshipping? How am I relating to this whole aspect of communion that surrounds my entire existence? And it's used, and I'll, show, I'll just read some of the ways it's used. It says they, in Acts 2.42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That, to me, is a close meeting. They agree. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
that intimate relationship between a Christian and his Savior, his or her Savior. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men to see what is the fellowship of the mystery, from which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. That fellowship, brothers and sisters this morning, cannot be described entirely by any language. Now I'm trying to a little bit. I'm just uh, feeble attempts up here this morning, but it's the mystery. Can you, can you actually put into words everything that happens between you and your Savior? Galatians 2.9 calls it the right hand of fellowship. Now we were at the Elmendorf Hutterite community last week on Monday and uh, that that particular particular colony I am told has been excommunicated from the mainline Hutterites because of some biblical stands that they have taken so they're kind of feel removed alright but he said uh, uh He's uh, Gary Fetter, they call him. Fetter, Fetter, whatever, I don't know, anyhow. Uh, uh, which is the leader of the colonies. Uh, he said, yeah, there's, there's some brothers from another community come in, and he said, we're just like this. That's the way he described it. We're just like this. What was he telling me? They had the right hand of fellowship. They were together. They were in fellowship. They had an intimate relationship. When they sat down, they agreed. They understood what the scripture said and they agreed. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel Notice the word fellowship. From the first day unto now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. That is the fellowship of the gospel. That is the work of God in my life, in your life, drawing us together through salvation at Calvary, which we are thinking about this morning, and he's going to perform it till Jesus comes again. What a blessing. Jesus says, you do this till I come. Philippians 1, pardon me, chapter 2, verse 1 says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What is he saying? He's saying, brothers and sisters, 
You are here for your fellow brother and sister. I am here to serve you with humility. Now, feet washing uh, shows that we, we think of that more as a literal thing. You know, I, I, I wash your feet or getting real practical. If you need something that I own, I'll loan it to you. And, and, and that's just how we do. We, we, we're caring for each other. We're compensating for each other's needs and that type of thing. But also, there's an aspect of feet washing that when I exhort you in public, you exhort me in public or private or however it may be, we are washing each other's feet. We are fellowshipping. We are We are one. I, I'm here to make sure that you're okay. That's what we're here for. See, if I'm here only to figure out whether I'm okay, then I'm in trouble. Well, I need to move along here. Philippians 3.10, this it impacts my life a lot because this is my mother's favorite verse. And you take this verse in the perspective of terminal cancer, and I tell you, it starts talking real loud. Fellowship. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Koinonia also talks about communicating. Communication or communicate. That is passing on. That is understanding. Grace be unto you, Philippians 3, 7, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Koinonia is also translated communion. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, and this is on the negative side. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? And he says, Come out from among them, and touch not the unclean thing. And 1 Corinthians 10.16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? Of the blood of Christ, the blood which we, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Now you think about that. One together, broken in service broken in commitment. Koinonia also is translated
contribution. But now having no more place in these parts, in Romans 15, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whenever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution. Notice the contributions, koinonia, for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their, debt, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this, I have sealed to them this fruit. I will come to you again in Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my servants which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paying. Contributing. Laying out a price for another person's benefit. These people the Jews laid out for the Gentiles, the Gentiles laying out for the Jews. But we think of Christ. What was that price? How big was that sacrifice? Think about it. And then think what is too big for me to give. So today we look back, but today communion is very personal, it's very present. It involves our entire 